let's see, Carmen, you've been here now, you've been here uh, almost two months, right? Yep. But on your own for less than a week, right? Is that right? When did John leave? Yeah, was, John left last Saturday. So it's just been me and my family here for not, yeah, not even a whole week. It's a very right. different feel now without John and family. Yeah, four fewer people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we got to the point of four people and no, seven people and four cats plus Vivian outside was five. So it was a bit crowded, but it was fun. There was always somebody to, to chat with or scheme with or a kitten to play with. So <laughs> yeah, the important things yeah. kittens to play with. Yeah. yeah. So how were your first, uh, how was the first couple months? It was, it, well, it was challenging, but it was good. Um, I was happy to be here for sure. It was a lot more watering than I had anticipated. I mean, I knew it was going to be mm -hmm. a lot of watering, but I don't think I knew mm -hmm. just how much watering and how much attention to the watering I would have to, to give. So it was, that took a, a lot of time and I struggle a bit bouncing between tasks. I, I like bouncing between tasks, but if I don't have, mm -hmm. you know, a, a one to two hour chunk of just doing something, I can get a little bit scattered and have trouble getting back to the thing I was doing. So mm. having to pause to water was sometimes like, oh, yeah, and I would lose my place and have to kind of refocus. And then it was full of a, a bunch of different projects. So it was probably busier than what the normal weeks and months will be like. We and put in the up, posts. Oh, yeah, yeah, we put up the posts and we're going to finish those mm. hopefully today and cleaned the shed, cleaned the soil area, painted in the studio. What else did we do? We took a number of trips around to some of the local vendors so I could see where they were and uh, what John was buying, which was kind of fun. And so, so lots of field trips. And then, yeah, actual bonsai work, wiring, a little bit of pruning, but yeah, mostly mostly watering, moving things mostly around watering. the yard. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind yeah, of intro a lot of relocation stuff. too. Yeah. 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 How to <laughs> right, run right. the the fertilizer, you know, what concentration and then spraying. There's a lot of spraying right off the bat. And I need to get back into it now that it's mm -hmm. cooled back off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, John was uh, sharing with you much of the uh, administration of the yard, um, mm -hmm. which is sort of the the handoff, the uh you're sort of running around a track, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John was giving you the baton. Uh, it helps to have a, a, as long a, a crossover as possible. I think. Yeah, it was kind smooth. of just a information dump. <laughs> I, right, right. And you had about a month and a half. I would, I mean, in the ideal situation, I would prefer a year, but you have such a uh, a large background um, in plants and bonsai that that uh, uh, about a month and a half seemed seemed like we could make it work and given your schedule with your family and whatnot, it was about the only thing that would work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's worked out. Okay. Yeah. I feel pretty confident being in the yard by myself, just a little bit behind in some of the work that needs to be done. But I think with bonsai, it's always a little bit of a game of catch up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a bit, that is a bit uh, ongoing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is, is that what you would claim as your, your, your initial challenges? Um, would, would be this uh, uh, sense of balancing the work with the watering. Yeah, I think so. And figuring out mm -hmm. how to, to time the schedule because at the university, I had a very, I had a very different schedule with a lot of blocks of time marked out for meetings or volunteers or something like that. And here it's kind of a figure it out 
so just figuring out what I want to do at what time of the day and how to best use the time when my brain is working best mm-hmm. has been a challenge. But I think I'm starting to get to that mm-hmm. point of of knowing what works. Now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I'm sure everything got bumped, bumped back by almost a week, given what we had in the, the last week here, this heat spike just before John left uh, over the weekend. It was a week before when we had a we had a temperature around here that I'd never seen before. It reached 112 in our backyard and, and even higher in other parts of Portland. I heard a temperature of 116 somewhere recorded yeah. in the Portland area. And I'd never seen anything like this. The highest I'd ever seen was in 2009 when my dad was helping me build the studio. And we found ourselves in... Um, um, in movie theaters because nobody had uh, AC back then. It was, <laughs> it was, um, everybody was sort of sweltering even at 106. <laughs> I mean, that's um, still pretty hot. That's, that's it was hot. too hot. Yeah, it still was, it hot. was. And the swamp coolers didn't help at all. I mean, if anybody had anything, oh. it was a swamp cooler. And at those temperatures, it just made everything worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like you're, was, you're purposefully making it like Michigan in the summer, which is probably yeah. not helpful. <laughs> Right, right, right. So we went from one movie and we kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah, let's just do another one. I think we did like three movies one day. Oh, wow. then, <laughs> we just stayed in the movie theater. Um, <laughs> so uh, Carmen and John were trading off hours. Tell us a bit about that. You yeah. Were- so originally John was going to be at the farm all weekend and I was like, oh, okay, this'll be, this'll be fine. Um, he ended up, uh, going out to the farm a couple times his irrigation system wasn't working and he was um losing some of his younger stock so poor john he was back and forth a number of times um but we it was usually one would cover the morning and then one would cover the afternoon and then there was a bit of of more overlap in the afternoon evening but we were out there probably every hour or hour and a half checking trees and they were either ready for more water or just needed a a cool off. So it was a lot of heat. Um, But I think we did, I mean, physically, John and I did pretty well. I didn't start to feel like kind of sick or dehydrated until that last day in the evening I had been, I feel like I kind of gotten used to that temperature. And so I was out there and I did a little too much and then I needed to take, you know, like an extra hour to kind of recover and rehydrate. But um, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And it was three days long. Oh gosh. The last yes. day was the hottest. Um, yes. Yeah. It was remarkable. I thought you guys did an amazing job because I didn't Thank see you. a single burned leaf edge on a maple or, I mean, it was astonishing. And, and, and I'm saying this kind of as in a, sort of a retrospect because I actually wasn't here. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I was the brave one. I, <laughs> I went to the coast. <laughs> and how, how hot was it there, Michael? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was another part of the story. So a friend of mine, months in advance had um, booked a campsite at the coast and I had agreed to go out uh, to, to stay with him uh, for um, uh, well, a couple of weeks before the heat spell arrived. And then a few weeks, a few days before I realized I was going to be gone during this crazy heat. spell. (laughs) Yes. And and being a a total gentleman, I I continued with my, (laughs) I just said, yeah, that sounds great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good luck guys no we we kept in good touch um but uh it was oh my gosh it was uh 
It's only about uh, 75, 80 miles away, but the temperature in Portland was you know, 100, over 110 and it was uh, 40 degrees cooler, 45 degrees cooler one day at the coast. Uh, mm. it, didn't re- it didn't go above 61 on the hottest day. Oh my. At the coast. Uh, the sun didn't even come out. I was in four layers. I was cold. Oh, and that actually, sounds amazing. It was the first time I'd ever felt temperature guilt. I, I, <laughs> I was really, uh, yeah, that was, it was difficult coming home and, and uh, talking to people about what I had experienced. <laughs> but you guys did an amazing job in the yard. Thank you. Well, I mean, if, if we had had the option, we probably would have gone to the coast as well, but you know, yeah, it's, we could it's have one of those, all the trees. it's one of those things. It's like, it's apprentice duty. Like when the weather's bad or something's happening, you're, you're there. That's the job. Well, so yes. the typhoons in Japan were no fun. Uh, yeah. I'm that sure sounds anybody. much worse. Yeah. Well, we had about four or five a year and you oh, know, tie everything down and then there was the rain and then the wind was great. You couldn't sleep. And mm. so the next day, and it usually went on for about two days or so when you had to prepare everything before it hit, because you knew it was coming. And then you didn't sleep for two days. And then the last day you were putting everything back up and then you wanted to sleep for a week. It was, it yeah, was, no, I bet. It was, just, it was extraordinarily exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Almost worse than traveling the snow in the winter. And that mm. <laughs> Everybody would just take a half hour nap uh, at yeah. lunch uh, after uh, a morning of shoveling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Snow shoveling is, I'm, I'm happy I won't have to do very much of that here. Crazy. Yeah, no, there's almost none. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. None. Yeah. Different than your, your native territory of Michigan, correct? Yes. Last winter, I was working alone on a weekend that had 10 inches of snow. And so it was my job to manage all of the snow on the, the entryway, sidewalks and stairs. And I probably walked seven or eight miles that day going back and forth, shoveling and snow blowing. It was it was a day. It was a very long, tiring day of snow shoveling. Mm. So this, um, yeah, Portland, I'm, I'm excited for just, you know, minimal snow. It's going to be a nice change. <laughs> yeah. So at this time of year, we're doing this podcast in July. Um, what's going on in the art? What are you, what are you, what are you working on? Um, I'm catching up on a little bit of azalea work that has kind of gotten scooched off because yeah, I feel like we're mm. about a week behind now with that temperature change um mm. we had a hemlock that seemed to be super strong um still finishing up getting a few wires there thinning it out um and yeah that one's strange because we noticed it was it was starting to grow again last week um and they don't usually do that after a trim is that right no no that was really unusual yeah of course that was a a, a tree that we're trimming a little, little sooner than usual because it, mm-hmm. it is a little strong. If, if it's a little weak, we leave it a little longer. And for the most part, a lot of this trimming can be done, you know, early fall is a, is a good time to, you know, if you, if you only had one plant in the yard to work on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> ideal timing. Um, but uh, yeah. I'm excited so, to see what that, what that does. That'll be, that'll be really curious. Yeah. I'm wondering yeah. if these buds are going to burst. They, yeah. they've been swelling for uh, a week now and yeah. <laughs> we're, we're watching them nervously. Um, so uh, that it's a single flush plant. So it should really do this. Um, right. Spruce, you know, you've, um, uh, Azo is you know, really a single flush plant 
uh, kind of conifer. And yet yeah. you can usually see a couple little buds burst through the summer and grow. So a very minimal amount of uh, summer growth that you really can't count on um, mm -hmm. many years. It doesn't do any of it, but we, we have a, one in the yard that's going to mm -hmm. uh, to grow a little bit. And I think it's uh, probably due to the heat that you're talking about. It's just pushing some things, which is strange. I mean, a lot of, a lot of heat will just shut things down, of course, mm -hmm. but they're reacting to the heat in interesting ways. <laughs> one thing that, um, um, that we should probably share with everybody is uh, the water that um, mm -hmm. I wrote about in Bonsa Heresy and I had uh, a lot of students try altering their, their water quality. Um, um, many people seem to have a problem more with um, higher alkaline water than the other way around. And so adding, adding acid. And for years we were adding muriatic acid, not years, I'm sorry, this, this was only a, a couple, three years or so. And I think it was John who was talking about, and we might've talked about this in another podcast, but we'll go through it again because we discovered another part of the, the puzzle <laughs> um, here. Uh, but muriatic acid, which is sort of dirty hydrochloric acid um, was uh, uh, according to John, who had talked with a horticulturalist, uh, this guy was pretty surprised that we're using that thinking that we might get some uh, chlorine burn. And we hadn't really seen anything in the yard, or at least didn't think we had any. And yet there were a couple of plants there uh, in the yard that I thought had, you know, just dried out a little too much or something and had a little bit of burn. So I hadn't really thought about it, but the vine maples and Coriolopsis had um, uh, burned leaf edge for a couple of years. And this year we're not seeing any of it. Yeah. <laughs> and about, about a year and a half ago, we, we changed over to acetic acid, um, which is uh, the preferred um as if you're going to use any kind of acid at all to alter your, your water pH, that would be what, what you would use. Um, and when I wrote Ponsa Heresy, I didn't know that. And so in Ponsa Heresy is an arata, which is <laughs> using muriatic acid, but you shouldn't use that. Try, try acetic. So it doesn't, it seems like uh, there are not many plants that seem to be, you know, violently adverse to muriatic, but there are some sensitive ones in, in our yard, vine maples and winter hazel, Coriolopsis appeared to be much more uh, sensitive um, to that. So anyway, just wanted, wanted to share that one. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it seems like even with the, the heat, I mean, the Coriolopsis has a little bit maybe of, of heat damage, but yeah, the maples are looking great. I haven't seen leaf burn on almost anything. So yeah, yay for vinegar. Yay for, <laughs> yay for vinegar, right? Right, right. Now, mo most of the uh, leaf edge burn that you're going to see on a, on a deciduous tree is um, related to uh, not quite enough water on a hot day. Mm -hmm. um that's primarily what you're what uh is going to cause that yeah a little bit of, little bit of extra drying out mm -hmm. we do have a fun uh watering hose uh, john found a hose that uh is amazing it's really quite a non-kink hose i'm not sure if it's sold as that but it's uh the, the only disadvantage is that it's bright yellow it's kind of a chartreuse it's really <laughs> <laughs> really a crazy color um do i have the color right is that chartreuse yeah anyway, it's it's like chartreuse kind of kind of lime green it kind of fades to a more yellowish i i really like it i it's it's easy to see and you won't <laughs> trip on it so much um mm -hmm. for those of us who are slightly trip inclined uh but yeah it's a it's a flexilla hose and it comes with a um hmm. what that is that called. what is that little doodad called uh oh a swivel it comes with a swivel right at the where the uh watering wand attaches yeah. so that um when you are pulling the hose like down 
across the yard, or um, if you're watering with one hand, the hose doesn't twist. It kind of keeps the hose from from twisting or untwists it as you pull it mm-hmm. um, so that mm-hmm. you don't end up with with kinks or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just a disaster hose when you're trying to uh, <laughs> roll it up. <laughs> right. So right. Right. It's, yeah. It's, it's an amazing little feature. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm eager to see how it, how it lasts on the gravel. It seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah. So far um, so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else is going on? Let's see. We have, uh, we're trimming, um, chochubai right now. Yes. Uh, we're into chochubai. Mm-hmm, midsummer chochubai trim or late spring, I guess. Um, we're a mm-hmm. little late, uh, because of what Carmen was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you got delayed. Yes. You got delayed. Uh, yeah. yeah so we're into chochubai trimming. Um, there was a, a big wiring job probably within the first month. Was that a month ago now? It was, it feels feels close still. Um, and there's, uh, yeah, another, another wiring project on my plate as well. Um, which is good. I, I need to practice and I, I enjoy wiring. So, um, looking forward to really digging into that. Uh, yeah, we're just getting into more conifer wiring at this time of year, you could do deciduous wiring. Uh, we're a little more careful about what conifers we might wire here, but mm-hmm. uh, in general, if you have a small yard, again, <laughs> for you, <laughs> you listeners, <laughs> uh, conifer wiring is, you know, if you were to dial in the perfect time to wire, you'd probably, probably wire in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, winter is also okay. Uh, but, um, we're running a professional yard here and we're very busy. And just like in Japan, we're, we were wiring pines when the needles were still coming out, which I do not advise, but we had no time uh, to be particular about that. (laughs) Often a client needed a tree that week and we had to finish it. um, Mm -hmm. There are lots of reasons one might get off, off schedule or off ideal. Yeah. It seems like, like we were mostly doing, well, the first one I did was a juniper. This one's a juniper. And when I was coming for seasonals, it was mostly juniper and cedar that we were wiring in the summer. So is there, um, Mm -hmm. are those generally Mm -hmm. more tolerant? And, and we're also just kind of doing fine wire. We're not doing any real big bends. Yeah. Yeah. The big, bigger, the bend, the later in the year you want to do it as sort of Mm -hmm. a general, (laughs) general idea and light wiring you could do almost any time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, some things to maybe be a little cautious about are your spruce, um, and that, that type of plant, uh, that you really want to be mostly mm-hmm. dormant if you're doing any, any, any major work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was curious, uh, about the sheet that you shared with me, um, a couple of days ago, I, that was a revelation, a revelation, blah, blah. Uh, to me, um, the or way you, you were organizing your day, and then and then you said something about why it, why it helps you. Uh, sure, yeah, I have um, I have ADHD, and uh, this is really the or- only organizer that's that's ever worked well for me. I've tried planners and wall calendars, and um, this is just a single sheet. You can keep it on a clipboard. Um, at the top, you know, it's got your you know, day of the week, what's the date, and then a, a section for important reminders. So if you have like a, a dentist appointment, you just put it right on there with your your time so you don't forget. Then um, it's got a section for morning, afternoon, and evening. So you can really put those priority tasks in those sections. 
Uh, and then at the very bottom, it's got a section titled for later, something along those lines, for any of those ideas that kind of pop into your head throughout the day that you need to get on paper so that you don't just go and do them. Um, that's a, a problem that I have. I, I think of something and then I want to go do that instead of the thing that I'm in the middle of. Um, and then like <laughs> you're you're like, oh, I need to buy this. So you can put that on there or I need to think about this. And then anything you don't get done just kind of moves over to the next day um, or back to the four later list. Um, yeah, the, the website, um, it's a, a woman, I think she's in Australia. Uh, it's called ADHD Actually. And you can download the, they've got a, a monthly um, printable as well, but I don't find that one as useful. The daily one is amazing though. Mm -hmm. Something about what you're saying here reminds me of the way potters work. Um, so when I was in Japan, I, I got into a, a bit of trouble uh, <laughs> because I was uh, I wasn't completing what I was doing. I was moving on to something else um, mm -hmm. before completing, and I um, uh, I, I got a chastisement <laughs> mm. uh, for that. And I I realized that what I was doing is I was working as a potter works because you work in um, uh, on uh, sort of half made work and you do the next thing and then you let it sit for a little while, uh, mm -hmm. usually, usually to let it, um, you know, stiffen up a bit more with evaporation oh, right or something like that as you're doing another part of the process or another body of work. And then you come back and you do step two. And, um, and, uh, so I remember explaining that to, to Suzuki and how big his eyes went and he said, Oh, Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. But here we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty, it was, uh, it was very interesting. It, it was funny. Uh, uh, yeah, just different kinds of work, um, uh, you, you know, are enabled by, by different methodologies. Of, right. Um, yeah. I feel like, yeah. like here in the yard, I can mm -hmm. be working on a couple trees at the same time, like with the juniper that I need to wire, if there's any cleanup, I could, you know, do cleanup one day and then that's that's okay to sit for, you know, a day or two before you actually go into wire. It's not going to like, make the growth, um, the next flush come out differently because there's a big difference between like cleaning it up and wiring, but like within azalea or with um, something else that's gonna flush, like black pine, when you're doing needle plucking, you can't really stop and then wait three days or two days and come back to finish it. That's something you kind of have to just do all in one sitting um, or it can, I feel like it can really kind of mess up the plant health and balance. So. Um, mm, figuring yeah. out how to do stuff in mm -hmm. sections uh, mm. is also helpful because it does help me to bounce a certain amount between things, but I'll find myself watering accents and then being like, oh, this needs to be cleaned up. Oh, this is really pretty. Where do I put this? Or, oh, I want to make one that looks like this. And it's like, okay, go write it down. And then you come back to it <laughs> when you have time to do accents or when it's the uh -huh. accent, uh, when you do accents at the, the summer seasonal or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, figuring yeah, out yeah. how to structure the day and how to prioritize the work is something I'm, I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if, if your time is, is limited and you feel like a tree needs to be trimmed, you know, that week rather than leaving it another uh, month or something like that, and you also want to wire it, for instance, you might take that week to do the trim and finish the whole tree. Mm -hmm. with the trim to then wire it later 
because mm-hmm. as, as you're saying, you could, you could imbalance a tree if you trim half of it and then you wire the part that you've trimmed yeah. <laughs> and then it takes a month to get to the next part of the, uh, of, of it, uh, mm-hmm. then the tree will take the hint. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm supposed to kill off that part. Right. Um, and <laughs> um, so That's if you have to segment, yeah, yeah, right. If you have to segment the work, um, and and you have uh, a really a really busy life, and you're not a um, not a bonsai apprentice like Carmen, who is is uh, focusing uh, on, on bonsai, but uh, but if you have a, a really busy life like that and need to segment, then uh, divided into tasks that, uh, can be completed in one session. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. John and I did that with a couple of the azaleas that came back from the Japanese garden. Um, we did the full cleanup and prune the same, you know, within a couple days. And then, uh, we fell into the the giant heat spell. So the, any little bit of, they don't need much wire, but the little bits of wire that will go on them is going to wait till we get around to it. (laughs) Or till oh, sorry, till I get around to it. John's gone now. <laughs> yeah, you need to call him. We have a few volunteers in New York now too, though. Yes, we do. Involved. Yeah, and you haven't yet met uh, Masaki. Yes, who, I'm and, excited uh, to to meet him mm-hmm. and, and have some help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been a great uh, asset to the Portland uh, Japanese Garden Bonsai mm-hmm. Terrace. Uh, so he started as a volunteer there as a docent and and then he was uh, just recently hired oh um, excellent i didn't realize he yeah, was on staff cool yeah yeah actually I, I was told every department wanted him and uh ah. <laughs> the gardening department got lucky <laughs> 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 highly skilled retirees are uh are sought after in yes. some areas <laughs> for sure for sure for sure well, yeah, that, no, that's funny because Jack Sustick is uh, is back at University of Michigan exactly. doing some coverage for me. And he's, you know, he's retired, but he's coming down a couple of days a week to help with the with the trees there. So, yeah, yeah it's right. Um, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. Highly skilled, retired, very right. helpful. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you for your entry report, you know, what would it say? So I also have an exit thesis for uh, for apprentices. And this is sort of like graduate school, you know, theses take, uh, you know, forever and sometimes they never arrive. In fact, I think I've only gotten one so far. Mm. <laughs> keep reminding past apprentices to send in their exit thesis, but your entry thesis is, is sort of where you are at this moment. What, what, what are you thinking about with bonsai? What are your goals? And, and then the exit thesis might be a bit different, you know, as you discover new things or your, or your goals begin to shift, but what yeah. uh what would your because you haven't handed in yet but i know you've been thinking about it because we've been I, have, I have an it. outline in front of me what? yes oh okay all right right what uh what do you have down there um so some of so my ultimate goals um being here is is mostly to learn how to <clears throat> is to improve my wiring um kind of nail down seasonal work what happens when um because i i i know most of it but there's some corrections um having learned mostly on my own or with volunteers there's some things that um were maybe incorrect that need some some fixing um but i'd really like to learn how to design raw stock i've never really done that i've i'm mostly just in Mm -hmm. been maintaining trees um 
So getting some actual design work under my belt would be great. Uh, uh, we'll start shortly and we will not stop. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, doing some of that. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, mm-hmm. some of my goals, if when moving back to Michigan, um, supposing I move back to Michigan, planning it right now, but um, I would like mm-hmm. to use some uh, North American natives, but not not conifers, except because uh, it seems like most people are already, you know, conifers in the United States are, um, they're done. A lot of people are, are doing them. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to use some of the deciduous stuff, um, service berry, witch hazel, sumac, uh, mm. and kind of go with some more ephemeral feminine looking plants. Um, I do want to try Eastern white pine. I found a tree that had a a witch's broom with some more compact growth. And so I I harvested a couple of seedlings that I think are the same um, genetic, but I'm also going to attempt at some point to get some uh, cuttings or something or cones or something from that tree to figure out how to propagate it. But um, I think it'd be really neat to do a white pine with some uh, more compact growth because uh, those aren't really done because they're so wispy and straight. Mm. And then uh, we have got a lot of spring ephemerals back east and I'd love to use some of those in Kusumono or um, mm. other other bonsai accents and kind of bring the the Midwest feel of like springtime vernal pools, um, some of those mm. really pretty plants. Uh, vernal pools. Into... Yes. Mm. What's a yes. vernal pool? A vernal pool, uh, it's kind of a wet woodland and in the spring when there's lots of rain and snow melt, there's ah. the in the lower portions of, of that forest, uh, they fill with water. So salamanders and frogs um, meet up there and there's often large mm. trees growing in them as well with little and they form like there's some some soil at the base of the tree and so they form like a little island um so mm. there's like a big tree with some ferns and moss and uh water all around it uh, mm. which is kind of a really neat feel i haven't really seen that anywhere else so i'd like to kind of oh. try and recreate that feeling um maybe not actually you know using water but giving yeah. that kind of islandy feel oh, with the, some springtime flowers. Hmm. Right, 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 right. And uh, last time we spoke, um, you, you had um, developed your Purple Pot idea, uh, Purple Pot Society. What was that? Purple Pot Society. So yeah, yeah, Jonas actually coined that term. Um, and I, I was chatting with um, another woman who reached out to me saying she really liked the name and wanted to to go forward with creating some kind of women's bonsai society. And um, so that's kind of in the works of figuring out how we would do that. Um, but it's very, it's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, I'm really interested in getting more women and young people into bonsai um, because there still is that gender disparity. Mm-hmm. So, and I found a lot of women who like to do bonsai. Um, there's just not really, you know, the time or the money or, you know, whatever else uh, is happening in their lives. So trying to encourage it and teach mm-hmm. um, in a place that feels comfortable uh, 
So yeah, that's definitely on my list of things to figure out how to do. Mm -hmm. You think comfort is a, is a part of that? I think so. Uh, particularly with the, the gender disparity, it's hard to be in a place where you're the only one. And I think the, the Portland uh, Bonsai Society of Portland mm -hmm. is different. There's a lot of women in that club, but there's a lot of other clubs, particularly in the Midwest that are uh, predominantly men. Um, and so if you're a young woman, it can sometimes feel a little bit like, oh, well, I don't really fit here, um, which can be discouraging or on, you know, on, unfortunately, sometimes there is some blatant sexism mm -hmm. that does happen uh, or harassment. So mm -hmm. there's something about creating a, a more inclusive, mm -hmm. accessible place for women. And I mean, ultimately, the goal is not to have people separated by gender, but um, at this moment, it's more about getting women into the hobby. Um, and then hopefully it won't matter in 5, 10, 20, 50, 100 years. It'll all just be, it'll all just be equal. It'll all just be equal. <laughs> right. 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 Good goal. Thank Good you. Good goal. Cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, the woman who reached out to me, her name is um, Samantha Tolve, and she just wrote an article for ABS about women in bonsai. So I'm hoping to get her on the podcast. Um, and then I've been chatting with uh, Victrina Ridgeway. Um, she's doing a really cool project for the national exhibition this year, um, a whole display composed by different women artists. Um, the tree, the stand, the uh, the accent, I think the pot too. Um, I'd love to get her on here as well. So there's some some women doing some research into this and creating some really cool art. Uh, mm. I'd love to elevate that to another level, get people paying attention. Uh, oh, now we go. Now, now we're going. Okay. Yes, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I'm already looking forward to your exit thesis. Yes, it will. It will be something. <laughs> All right. Right. So part of this exit thesis, though, which uh, so far no, no apprentice has done is is um, is, an, is a thesis show. Mm. Uh, so that's sort of. In the... <laughs> I'll have to get some um, trees. <laughs> OK, right. Yeah. And that's the thing that might take a little while to actually happen. Yeah. 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 It won't happen when you leave. Yeah. Right. But it will happen. But it will happen. Right, 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 right. Yeah, one right. of the other things, you know, as far as um, maybe this isn't just, you know, women in bonsai, but just bonsai in general. In Japan, I saw a lot more um, variety in, in pots and pot color. So that's kind of where, you know, Jonas coined the, the Purple Pot Society um, <laughs> because I have a fascination with purple pots. But I kind of want to push some boundaries of like, okay, here's traditional bonsai and here's traditional bonsai and something that's a little bit different, either style or pot or how it's displayed, something like that. But trying to keep, mm -hmm. you know, the, the intention of bonsai there and not be, you know, I'm not looking at glittery pots yet, but, um, yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not to be like, but, you know, allowing that other perspective of like, I don't know, maybe hyper feminine that, you know, most people would be like, eh, I don't know, but you know, maybe, 
maybe it's a thing. So hmm. getting to explore that. Yeah, exploration is a big part of it. If, uh, uh, if yeah, if you don't give yourself the opportunity to fail, um, you don't develop those ideas. You know, mm -hmm. they, they stay in a in a closet somewhere. Um, yeah, it's um, that you know. There's, there's really probably two features um, of uh, of the creative uh, or the artistic uh, direction. One is leisure. You need leisure to have um, the gestation time for mm -hmm. ideas and uh, and the other is is the courage to fail mm -hmm. um and and to know that it, probably the majority of your experiments or or works you know for <laughs> if you're a scientist you call it an experiment if you're <laughs> if you're an artist you call it a work but work is an experiment and mm -hmm. and it leads to the next you know slightly more edified uh work mm -hmm. um and uh the majority of them will fail Mm -hmm. um, if you're doing city art, you know, if you're being commissioned to do something, failing isn't much of an option. Um, right. <laughs> and it's one of the reasons that, you know, city art is criticized so heavily by those who consider themselves to be artists mm -hmm. <laughs> is because it, there, there's, there's some of that juicy, you know, on the something that has the opportunity to fail and yet somehow survived. Um, there's some quality of, of, of creative beauty in that. But that, as they say, ladies and gentlemen, is a different story. <laughs> well, considering that I, you know, muted myself for the first 20 minutes of our, our podcast here, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty used to failing. So. <laughs> oh, no, yes. that, was, uh, that was necessary because it was a very dry beginning. Yes. It was like a dry start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Practice run. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing your, your beginnings here, mm -hmm. Carmen. And we'll probably, we'll definitely wrap up, uh, with another podcast at some point, oh, yeah. um, about your apprenticeship, but we'll be talking about other things, uh, in the middle, Sounds in the middle, good. in the muddle. There's middle always a muddle. Of the muddle. The muddles are often the more interesting parts of, <laughs> I love a good muddle. Yeah. You love a good muddle. Okay. Uh -huh. Sounds good. That sounds like a room with a view, right? That was, yeah. <laughs> there was, there was a muddle that the Mr. Emerson was always talking about. <laughs> oh, you're in a muddle. <laughs> the person looks at him shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Forrester, go and read it. It's great stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Carmen. You're welcome. Time to go check water. All right. Sounds All good. All right. Bye. The music on today's podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check them out at www.sessions.blue. You, you might actually have to take out some of these long pauses that don't go anywhere. That's fine. <laughs> I can do that or I'll just use the them as the intro. Think, yeah. <laughs>